welcome to Say It With Your Whole Chest, the podcast. My name is Jess, also known as the Fat Funny One, and welcome. If it is your first time here, then, well, let me explain what this is all about. Say It With Your Whole Chest is an opportunity for people to have real conversations with real people about real topics, a chance for people to say what they want, stand firm in what they believe, and share that with the rest of us. I've got some incredible guests who come on and share their expertise, their experiences, and they're proud and stand so firmly in what they believe and I just want a little piece of that I want to share that encouragement that uplifting feeling and some really practical life tips too this week is no different I've got an incredible guest Claire Seal she is from my frugal year and I have followed Claire oh my gosh since before she was Claire and when you listen you'll understand exactly what I mean she is an incredible money blogger she has created something incredible called the financial well-being forum she's an author she talks all things money all things cash budgeting debt shame not having the shame and this is such an incredible conversation we talk about it all and it's a conversation that i want to have more often i'm going to be talking about more often and hopefully you're listening and get some real insight and can feel encouraged to share your money journey too so i hope you enjoy it all of claire's details and where you can find her are linked below as always and if you've got a topic a comment maybe you just want to send me in some information i don't know then use the email address below say it with your whole chest at gmail.com thank you so much don't forget to subscribe and enjoy hi claire hello hi how are you yeah very well thanks or as as well as anyone is at the moment it's very up and down <laughs> have to be frank <laughs> i haven't had anyone drunk yet which is like is telling but that's no yeah i did decide to go with like a cup of peppermint tea rather than a wine <laughs> which is a I got a hot chocolate. <laughs> and so i have followed you since forever and I've, I've explained this in the intro but i followed you before i knew you were claire so you have an incredible Instagram page called My Frugal Year and you were anonymous for a fairly long time. How was that? Yeah, it was strange. I think, I mean, it, it felt like this sort of natural thing to do in the beginning because starting the account in the first place, like sometimes I don't really know what I was thinking. <laughs> um, but I was so money and debt and financial difficulty is so sort of drenched in shame Mm. that I found it really daunting the idea of anybody knowing who I was or knowing that that I was in that situation you know I hadn't spoken to friends about it hadn't spoken to family and I think you know it's not like we were sort of talking a few grand on a credit card at that point it was seven credit cards and an overdraft 27 grand worth of debt and I just I couldn't bring myself to put my name and my self to that in the beginning and then that sort of acted as a bit the anonymity acted as a sort of a bit of an armor and actually when I was anonymous to start with that's probably the most authentic I've ever been online which is quite ironic really you know my personal Instagram before that I had been going to great pains to show a life that I wasn't really living, which I think a lot of us do. But then finally, once I took my identity out of the equation, I could actually be 
honest about what was going on and it was it was quite freeing but I I think I always knew that it couldn't last forever that I was eventually going to have to sort of reveal myself (laughs) (laughs) it was it was really lovely to watch and see I guess because I I guess with anonymity on the internet it always people always assume the negative so they always assume if you're anonymous on the internet, it's because you're being horrible or you're trolling or you're doing all these things. And actually, I always say to people, not all the time. Yes, it gives people the freedom to not be very kind, but actually it also gives a lot of people the freedom to speak their mind in a healthy and positive way and talk about things that are you know, shrouded in shame that they feel a lot of shame about. And actually that can be quite liberating and beautiful for a lot of people and I followed your account when it was anonymous and actually it never occurred to me that I didn't know the person I was following or didn't see their face I think I just saw your post and could relate especially in terms of the financial debt journey and stuff and I was like oh my gosh like I just was so invested in your page and then I was really excited and you're like I'm gonna reveal who I am and we're like ah it was like the masked singer (laughs) I know that was and I so nearly when I did the when I did the post where I finally sort of said okay this is me it was like a couple of days after Alan Johnson was on the masked singer and I was trying to work a joke into the caption but it was (laughs) I was shoehorning it in so I just dropped it but um yeah it was it was really strange and I definitely for a while after that had a big like dose of overexposure like Mm. I was completely sort of I felt raw I felt like someone had taken my skin off um because I I was just had to face sort of people putting the two things together and then I sort of catapulted straight into the publicity uh campaign around my book and it was just so, it was so, so intense. And I paid a bit of a price for it afterwards, actually. Um, and then things started to like level out and I'm quite comfortable um, and happy with it now. But it's, it's, it was a real ride, definitely. It's because it's, it's kind of instant, wasn't it? Because you, I guess I've always put my face to what I say and what I do. Do I think I've always been like 100% transparent? Well, yeah, I, I try to be, but the reality is no, because there are still people who know you and see you. So you still try to, I guess, not necessarily be perceived in a certain way, but there's certain things that we just think are polite to do or the right thing to do and, and stuff like that. So it's really, really difficult. And I have grown with my page. So it's everything has been in stages, whereas you didn't have that opportunity. And when you're talking about something as, as I don't want to say sensitive, because I get frustrated that finance is, is such a sensitive subject because it should be something yeah. we talk about really openly and really freely. But when you are talking about something that personal, it is really hard because you you literally share your cold, hard figures. Like there's no, you know, I'm just in around about this much. You're like, no, these are my figures. This is where I'm at. Do you think part of that coming out was actually you as well, that personal journey of really owning this is the amount of money that I owe? Definitely. I think there's definitely an element of that and it still felt quite, sort of sharp to read the mm. words like when I did a couple of interviews and you know the print pieces it still sort of took my breath away a little bit and I think since then 
and sort of just but you know being kind of publicly me and talking about these things I have got to a place where I can say those numbers without like blushing or stuttering or anything like that and I think I really hope that that's kind of not even empowering but like comforting to some people because I really hope that if they can see me like a normal person talking about this topic without the sort of apologetic nature or the shame around it or embarrassment that hopefully then even just for a handful of people that might make them think well if she's not ashamed or embarrassed then I don't have to be and maybe I can call my bank maybe I can speak to you know citizens advice or someone who can help me maybe I can talk to my parents talk to my partner and so I think you know some of it is for me definitely but some of it sometimes if I'm teetering on the edge of saying something or not my thought process is like is someone gonna hear this and Mm -hmm. it's gonna make them feel more comfortable to talk more about money or financial difficulty and if the answer is yes then I'll usually go for it that's and that's do you ever get the vulnerability hangover with that because I often get that where I and it's not an overshare it's just a very honest and raw share but that can come I don't want to say at a cost because it it goes away and actually like you I always weigh it up and the benefit of helping someone will weigh out the kind of really uncomfortable feeling I have for a little while but the vulnerability hangover that comes with that can sometimes be quite quite epic Oh, yeah, definitely. And I think I had a vulnerability hangover for about four months sort of in the summer of, uh, in the summer of 2020. And it was so strange because obviously we were mid-pandemic and all of these like, and it's still a bit like this now, but like all of these amazing things were happening and I was kind of like making new friends, speaking to journalists, being on the radio, being on the television. And, but mostly I was still just in my house so I had so much, I had all of the exposure and then I had so much time to dwell on everything. Mm. Um, and I didn't get to do any of the nice, like, swanning about, <laughs> you know, going <laughs> the posh lunches. Yeah. yeah, lunches or events yeah. or whatever. You know, not that that's what it's about, but it is a bit. Um, <laughs> but um, no, so it was, it was, I did feel really vulnerable and I still do sometimes like, you know, occasionally someone will really pick apart something that I hadn't even thought about. And I think, you know, as you know, it's kind of one of the curses of having a large Mm. social media following is that actually there will always be something to scrutinize, but I'm still at the stage where I really take that to heart. And I'm, I'm not sure where, people get that armor from or even if it exists or if people are just pretending that they're not bothered but um yeah I do I think I think to be authentic online is to be vulnerable and it's sort of something you have to live with it's hard I like you I've I've kind of built up an armor and and I know we've spoken about this before and when someone else so if I read something that you've shared I can get really like, oh, hell no. Like what they said, what? And get like, don't be so ridiculous. They're chatting crap. Like, ah, and get really, but then if someone does it to me, I'm like, oh, (laughs) and it's really, really hard. But I try to almost, I don't want to say detach myself from it, but to some degree, 
I do because the person that they perceive online isn't as much as I can try and be authentic and share myself. It's still going to be a perception of me that they have. It's not me. They don't, they don't know me. And no matter how much they can read my posts and follow me for years. And even your, some of your closest friends, it's still a perception of you that they have. And if they're uncomfortable with that and they project something onto that perception, I almost detach myself from that a little bit and think, okay, well, their version of me is the Instagram version of me. And that's, that's who they're saying this about. Not, you know, you as Claire, the mum, Claire, the wife, Claire, the partner, Claire, the friend, Claire, the daughter, they don't know that version of you. And so it kind of helps me a little bit. I still want to punch everybody in the face sometimes. <laughs> let's no, let's be right. real, but <laughs> you're it, definitely right. It does take a lot of work. And I think like you, it's hard when it's instant, when mm. it's something you're not necessarily prepared for. And the one thing that I probably admire the most about you is how not just your transparency, but how you've now made this into something so big and so wonderful and you now have the incredible financial well-being forum which is like awesome and you are sharing and continue to share and not like you know this was years ago I was in loads of debt and now you're, you're still in it and you're still talking about it and sharing and I think there's so much power in that yeah and I think that's why I wanted to write real life money when I did, because I, I just knew I had this kind of real sense that if I wrote it when things, when it was more comfortable to write it. So if I waited until everything was paid off and then tried to write it, I would have lost access to all of that rawness. And actually I read it back to myself over Christmas and already some of those feelings are gone and I can't remember what they were like it's like childbirth Mm. you know nobody would ever have another child if they could remember the exact (laughs) pain of it and I think I had I don't have the muscle memory of the pain that I felt at that time anymore and I'm really glad that I wrote it down and put it in a book while I did because I think that as a reader you can tell the difference immediately and so, you know, we're sort of coming to the end of that part of our of our financial journey. It's gonna we're gonna be into kind of positive figures within the next few months and everything feels a lot, lot lighter. But I think this if anything, kind of this part of the journey when you're almost there needs to be shared more because that's the danger zone. That's where you can be like, oh, well, I'm, I'm nearly there. Like, I'll just, I'll just do this and I'll just do that. And then all of a sudden you're treading water or going backwards. So I think I really wanted there to be a sense of what it's like at every stage of the process, you know, and I'll continue to share. And part of the reason why I set up the Financial Wellbeing Forum was because I acknowledged that this now is not only about my experience and at the end of the day I have a lot of privileges that other people don't have and it shouldn't just be about my story so what I wanted to do was create a place where there could be that could be focused on the mission but also a place to share other people's versions of events Mm -hmm. and so we're doing a content series quite soon 
um, after we finish this kind of mindful spending bit, which is going to be sharing a lot of different experiences. And I'm really, really excited about that because I think it's going to just blow the whole conversation open even wider. And I think that's what, what we need because not everyone's debt journey is relatable. I mean, some of the emotions are and, and on the basis of it, fine, but actually everyone's journey is completely different. And I only opened up about my debt journey after. And actually it wasn't even something I planned to talk about. I've always talked about I don't know, everything, body confidence, how to wear a bikini, parenting, all sorts of random stuff. But I was really compelled one day to write a blog post when we still wrote blog posts really often. And I wrote this blog post called Let's Talk Cash. And I kind of, there wasn't a smugness, but there was, I felt okay to write it because I was over it. I wasn't in the midst of it. And I can't imagine the vulnerability that comes with actually sharing it whilst drawing it. And I shared it because I, I can't even remember what really inspired me, but I, I just felt compelled to and I just felt like if one person reads this and thinks it's not just me then that's what this was for and I specifically talked about payday loans and the danger around payday loans and how that felt for me I was really young and I racked up similar to you about £25,000 worth of debt and remember just being so consumed by it Mm. and felt really defined by it and felt so much shame and the one thing I wanted to do the most was hide it so I spent yeah. more <laughs> trying mm. to pretend I wasn't in as much debt, which is just a vicious cycle in itself, isn't it? Like, Yeah. And I think that happens to a lot of people. I think it's obviously there's a lot of shame around debt, but it's very much mirrored by judgment. There is some really awful judgment out there from people who don't understand. I, I think if you've always had quite an uncomplicated relationship with money or you're of the generation that didn't have easy access to credit cards, then it is very difficult to understand. But actually the slippery slope or the spiral, it's very easy to get onto. And if you're not paying attention in the beginning, then it quickly becomes something that you don't want to look at. It's like the monster under the bed, you know, you, and, and you sort of bury your head in the sand and pretend it's not there and you carry on trying to keep up the illusion that everything's fine, which costs you more and more. And it really, it's a massive snowball. And I think once you get caught in that, it's very difficult then to reverse it back the other way. And so, yeah, I think it's, a lot of it is, you know, it, it's so complicated. It's tied yeah. up in everything. And this is what I try and do is put money and financial difficulty and debt into context because I think there's loads of really helpful advice out there but there's an engagement gap because there's no context so you've got the practical advice but there's nothing to connect it to how people are feeling and how they deal with money in their in their own life and how it affects their well-being, how it affects their mental health, how their mental health affects their money, mm-hmm. you know, all of this stuff. And it, it's a big tangle. It's very messy, you know, yeah. and there isn't like a tidy way to sort it out. And I think that's what I try and be honest about and why I try and kind of encourage other people to be honest about is that you know often in order to fix your relationship with money you have to go quite deeply into other things like Mm -hmm. 
I had to go very deeply into the grief that I felt and still feel about losing my dad because that was very tied up in how I felt about money. And then also in terms of body image and I had an eating disorder for 10 years and that's very tied up in how I feel about money because I would spend on clothes that were too small or diet food or or whatever and so it's tangled in everything so you know it's not just a case the people who will sort of glibly say well it's not rocket science just spend less than you earn you'll be fine (laughs) and while that's true for most people it's far more complicated than that and even even when it's as simple as that the reality is a lot of people in survival aren't earning more than they spend and not because they're spending frivolously or on luxuries because the cost of living is so high Mm. so even on a really basic level even if you stripped away the emotional side of it which is a huge part of it but even if you stripped all that back a lot of people's journeys are because they simply cannot afford to live because of the cost of living and because wages are so low so i think people's assumption all the time isn't it it's all just like you said just spend less than you earn okay that's great but how do I do that when I earn 800 pounds and my rent is 1000 pounds and not because I'm choosing to live there because that's where I I have to live and I can't move like people forget there's so many intricacies and bits of that journey that feed into this one circumstance it's not as black and white and body image is a massive massive topic when it comes to money and spending one because the diet industry actually costs loads of money people forget that the financial impact of joining a million diet clubs having a gym membership and buying all the slimming shakes you can find is not cheap just on a a very practical level and when you're suffering so deeply with how you feel about yourself and how you look spending money is one of the things that you do I did 100% spent a lot of money on every diet going on clothes like you that were too small and also just on the perception of feeling worthy if I had Mm a more expensive handbag if I wore the same clothes that somebody else did if I could just feel at the same level as everybody else spending that level of money then my worth was tied up in, in how much I, I, I spent. And so th- there's so many bits to it that people don't, don't understand. And when I shared how much debt I got into and I, I read the comments, I shouldn't have read the comments um, on the BBC video. A lot of them were like, brilliant, you know, she's paid it off. And I remember thinking, but if I hadn't paid it off and I was still in the midst of it, because they were all saying, well done, you've paid it off now. So it was almost like I'd got their seal of approval because I'd, I'd paid it. What if I hadn't? What would their comments have been? And some of them were still, oh, this is just ridiculous. Like, oh, well, she shouldn't have spent that much. Or who gave her a credit card that easily? Yeah. Because they're there. <laughs> and you can I mean, obtain it easily. A hundred percent. You know, I I had an interview published in the Telegraph, so I, I know oh, all about it. <laughs> Never about read the comments. comments. Um, no, I actually, I, I never read comments or reviews anymore. I did a bit at the beginning of last summer and I just, there's no point. Like mm-hmm. it's, it's none of my business what other people think of me unless they send it to me in a DM or a comment in my own space. I try not to think about it. But no, just going back to what you, you said um, a couple of minutes ago, because I think it's a really interesting point and it is something that is ignored in the sort of personal finance space and and a, a lot in the personal finance space on Instagram, I find, is that 
Personal finance only applies once you're earning a living wage. Mm. Below that, it is not a personal finance issue. It is a societal and a political issue. So it is a privilege to Mm. have personal finance. It's a privilege to have the decision about how you budget your money. And obviously, it's a line that I try to tread very carefully and I try to be very clear about the fact that you know there is poverty and then there is being broke yeah and I have been the latter but I have never been the former and Mm. that is a huge privilege so I think there's that as well is that you know I I often get told off for talking about politics on my Instagram people say it's not on brand or whatever but money is political and it doesn't matter you know and I think it's doing a disservice to talk about personal finance and completely ignore the sort of societal and political elements and there is a book coming out this year which I cannot wait for it's by Otegu Wagba and it is called We Need to Talk About Money and I love Otega's writing anyway, but I am chomping at the bit for this book (laughs) because I feel like there's so much that needs to be said around it. Mm. And yeah, it's, it's a bigger issue than just a banking app or a budgeting spreadsheet. You know, those are all important, but it's also important to acknowledge the wider context. Yeah. And I've, I've been guilty of, I don't know if guilty is the right word, but I've definitely talked about money or budgeting or without considering the wider story or the wider picture. And it, it it's really difficult because you want to include and be as inclusive as possible. But actually there are people who, like you said, it's a political issue. They are unable to work for a multitude of reasons and Money has to be political when it's the government who decide how much people are able to live on. How can that not be a political issue when they literally, it's policies and people in politics who make that decision. This is an amount that is okay for you to live on, even though I earn all this and this is it, but you can live on this much. That is is politics. That's literally the epitome of it. When someone is making a decision for someone else and they're not in that person's circumstances, they've never been in that person's circumstances, but that is what they're dictating from their pedestal from their ivory tower that's a scary when you really think about it it is really scary yeah absolutely and I think the narratives around money in the press and even in fiction have coached us all to be super judgmental Mm. about what people spend their money on you know there's the kind of there's the real like fags and big tellies um (laughs) narrative around people who are in receipt of benefits and even though studies have shown time and time and time again that the amount of people defrauding the benefit system is minuscule and mm. um, it's still people think that that's the that that's the story if you're on if you're living on benefits then you must be doing so fraudulently and I, I think it's you know there's a real problem with the perception of people who are not able to work. 
mm-hmm. you know, like you said, for whatever reason, or people who, let's face it, are working really, really hard and are still in receipt of universal credit because they're not being paid enough. Exactly. You know, the cost of living is so high and the wage is so low. There's a huge gap. Yeah. And I think there's something, there's definitely something really broken in the way that that system is set up, but in the discourse around it, it baffles me how we've still got programs like Can't Pay, We'll Take It Away on the television Mm -hmm. and that people watch that for entertainment. Just... I find that stunning. <laughs> it, it's and the most vulnerable. No, it's the most vulnerable and essentially broken at some points where people are and they are televising for entertainment going into somebody's house and repossessing it while they're there or you know the it's it's almost glamorized like putting their clothes out in a black bag and you know throwing them out because they haven't paid for a year and you don't know the circumstances and everyone's watching it going well she should have paid the rent and that's that's what people do that's what because that's how they've they've created the narrative of well she just hasn't paid there's no backstory there is no understanding and there shouldn't need to be to justify someone's circumstance anyway there's none of that there's just this here you go this is what we're going to watch because it, it makes people almost feel better and feel yeah. like, oh, well, we're doing, we're, we pay our rent. I can't understand why they've got a problem paying their rent because we know how to pay it. Well, good for you. <laughs> I know. Good I've just uh, I've just finished reading Ghosts by Dolly Alderton and um, in it, the two of the friends have something called the Schadenfreude Shelf, which is where they tell stories about people who've had like done terrible things or had terrible things happen to them to make themselves feel better. And it is a bit like that. <laughs> yeah, it is. Um, but I think it, when you think about all of that, when you think about the fact that that program exists, when you think about the comments that we've both received, when we've dared to be open about this, it's no wonder everyone's so ashamed or feels terrified to open up. And I'm just thinking that some of these people statistically some of these people spouting bile about people with financial difficulty are probably going to have someone close to them who is really struggling and terrified to tell them about it. Mm. And that's the, that's the thing. So coming back around, I feel like if I can sort of like barefacedly, if that's a word, you know, go up against someone who's spouting that and just tell them that they're talking nonsense and that I had 27 grand's worth of debt and I've still got, you know, six left to clear, but I am intelligent, articulate, very good at maths actually, and carry responsibility beautifully in other areas of my life. Then that is hopefully showing people that, they don't have to define themselves by one area in which they've messed up because everyone's messed up at some point and in some area of their life. For some people, it's money. For some people, it's something else. Mm, so, absolutely. That is such a, I'm like nodding profusely, trying really hard not to be like, mm, yes, down the <laughs> microphone. And just just to end on this piece, I I always find the word budget really frustrates me (laughs) Um, because essentially people always say well if you've got money you can't have a budget and I'm like a budget is a plan for your money it doesn't matter how much that money is but strangely enough people that I know who have probably 
not necessarily in poverty, but have been broke or have been in financial difficulty are some of the people that I know budget best and manage their money best in comparison to those who either earn a lot or earn a lot quite quickly and don't know how to manage their money. And so I always find it really interesting when conversations are around, well, if you don't earn it or you're not earning a lot, you just don't know how to to manage it. And I'm like, actually, (laughs) yeah, most people I know who earn a lot don't manage it well Mm. and not the other way around. Yeah, a hundred percent. And I think again, like once you get above that level of living wage actually you can't really out earn a terrible Mm. relationship with money and this is something that I say quite a lot is that you can be earning loads and be terrible with money and have awful money anxiety and real difficulty with emotional spending or you can earn you know a, a lower amount and be brilliant with money and very comfortable with it and confident with it and I think it's, it's about fixing the foundations. Rather, it's, it's about treating the cause rather than the symptoms. And debt's sort of just, just one of many symptoms of a totally broken relationship with money, I think. Um, and, you know, also debt isn't always to do with having a broken relationship with money. Like some people just use it well. You know, some people yeah. use credit well. Like I, I heard that, if you, if something's going to go up in value, you should buy it. If it's going to go down in value, you should rent it. So, you know, if people are using credit in a good way, then that's not necessarily demonstrative of a bad relationship with money. So, Hmm. you know, you could have one person who's got loads of cash in the bank and a terrible relationship with money and one person who's got you know, three grand on a credit card, but who's got like a plan to pay it off and has like their budget nailed, who's great with money. So, mm-hmm. it's, you know, it's it's not, it's nothing's ever how it looks on the surface or very rarely it is. And it's just not as straightforward. Mm. You know, I, I still use it. It's funny because um, I had a call today and someone was like, oh, so you're debt free now. We're talking about money. And I was like, well, I still got a credit card. And and he was like, oh, and I said, because, well, I, to be fair, I laughed because I was like, I normally use it for holidays and clearly no one's going <laughs> on holiday. Um, and I said, but I, I tend to use it for travel because of the safety aspect about yeah. booking on a credit card and then I pay it off. So I said, it's really funny because I demonized credit cards because they were so troublesome for me, but actually it wasn't the credit card. And I love the way you said it's a symptom. It's, I demonized it thinking it was the credit card's fault. It's the credit card's fault. No, it wasn't. I had a bad relationship with money because of my emotional spending, because of how I connected my worthiness to money and, and making myself feel better. That was the issue the credit card wasn't necessarily the issue i'm not telling anyone to run out and go and get one because actually you've got to make sure you're in a in a healthy position in terms of how you feel about money and how you feel about it and it's a conversation i have with sophia now and she's eight and we talk very openly about money and she's got a brilliant book called dosh which is all for kids and it, it has everything like what does apr stand for things that i learned now in my late 20s early 30s that i had no idea about no idea about because no one teaches you it no one says this is what you really got to learn and it's funny because she was in a history class of the day about vikings and i kept thinking that hour learning about vikings would have been really good <laughs> if they'd actually talked about financial well-being and mortgages or money or like like how are we not talking about this at this level already 
Absolutely. And I actually, I'm going to get Dosh for my son. He's six um, and we use Go Henry with him so that he has, uh, he can sort of keep track of, he can earn a bit of extra money by doing things and um, like save, save for something. So we're trying to teach him now because actually there's evidence to suggest that children have formed all of their ideas and attitudes towards money by the time they're seven or eight Mm. so it's quite big but I I think what is missing is appropriate education about money at every different stage you know primary secondary especially at university you know you're just I, I, I mean, I don't know how it is now. I keep forgetting that I haven't just graduated and I'm in my early 30s. But I, um, <laughs> you know, when I went to university, I was, I was 20 because I'd taken a year out. And um, I was just sort of like given a, a credit card and a two grand overdraft and left to get on with things. And, you know, that's, that's kind of where it started for me. So I think you know there's there's a lot to be done in terms of of education because it's much harder you know it's harder to learn anything when you're an adult but it's crucial Mm. and it is it's worth a couple of hours a week in the national curriculum I think absolutely and and they genuinely cover it in like PSHE and all these they've been writing about being a good friend and I'm like being a friend will be knowing all about when your friend is overspending and you can have a really nice conversation about it (laughs) but it's it's so important and even down to the language we use so I'm very careful now I'm I'm really strict with our budget I'm not really strict but I am quite strict with our budget and I don't use terms like we haven't got the money for that and even if, you know, when there was a time where we didn't have the money for that, I am very mindful about how I say that. And actually it's more right now we haven't got the money for it, but why don't we put a saving plan together? Or we haven't got that, you know, that's not something we can spend on right now. And, you know, maybe we can, you know, next month. And we talk about that. And Sophia's got a Starling account and it's funny, she got a check from her auntie the other day. And she was like, have you transferred me that money? <laughs> and she's like, can you show me my statement? Um, but it was really great for her to think oh okay brilliant and she'll go and she'll look at how much something is and she'll say well how much does that mean I've got left and how long will it take me if I get this much and she's asking and talking about money in a way that we feel confident that she'll have a better relationship with it than either of us have because she'll she'll just know it a little bit more and that's not to say it's a failing of parents if their children grow up and don't have good relationships with money. That's, you know, absolutely aren't blaming my mum for an awful relationship with money. That's not the case. But if there's something we can do that can support more so, um, then absolutely we we need to do more. So what is next? You've got the Financial Wellbeing Forum. You've got Real Life Money, which I love and I feature in every time I talk about books and money. (laughs) I'm like, Claire's book is so good. And you've got the journal, which goes with it, which is like, you know, I love a journal. I've got so many. It's, It's so bad. So what's next? What can we expect or see? What can we get involved in? Well, I am sort of taking this year to start like filling in the gaps really I think it's really important when you've when you've had a bit of a whirlwind sort of journey yeah um to then take some time to reflect and go back and sort of 
fill in the foundations or fill in any gaps. So I'm doing quite a lot of study this year, but I'm hoping to be able to offer a course. I'm only going to do so when I've got it checked by the relevant people and when I'm confident it gives really good value so that's like a holding page at the moment but we are currently in the middle of uh, focus on mindful spending and then what's coming after that is a series content series um, called finding financial well-being when and that is going to be that's what I'm super excited for because I can't wait to hear the perspectives of all of these different people that's going to be so powerful I think just you obviously had a huge impact on me I followed you for a long time but you know if you as a, as a one person can have such a, an amazing impact on so many to then share the journey of so many others is just going to be so powerful and I'm really really excited you know I am anything you put out I'm like look at Claire's done Um, I just downloaded Plum which I'm loving can I just say it gives me all the notifications it's it's lowered my utility bills which is amazing um but anything you put out I'm like oh Claire said that okay let me just check it that looks like it's gonna be a really good idea and I think that comes from the fact and it's a credit to you that your authenticity and your transparency has meant that I do trust what you put out and not that I distrust everyone else, but that's such a a wonderful, not to put any pressure on you whatsoever, (laughs) but it's so wonderful because I feel really empowered when you share something to think actually, yeah, great. Cause I, I know by watching you, you've done your research, you've checked it out. You've checked what, you know, the impact's going to be, how many people are going to help, what it's going to do. I see all that from just how transparent you are. So I'm like, yeah, this is good. I'm going to get excited. So I'm just waiting. I can't wait for, for, for the next series. This is going to be so much fun. Super excited. Thank you so much, Claire. This has been an absolute joy. I'm going to link all of Claire's details below where you can find her everywhere. And thank you so much. Thank you so much for having me. Oh, no.